It's an incredible song. And I want to ask tonight for the guys that are married here. Who's married? Who's been married for a long, long time? Some of us have not been married for such a long time, but some of us has. Some of us have only been married for like two months. It's two months. Six weeks. Two months. Quite new. But the thing is, is imagine your wedding day for all the women that got married. I want you to remember your wedding day. I want you to think about the dress that you wore that day. How much work and how much effort did it take for you to get that dress done? Did it take two days? Maybe a week? Or was it months of planning? Eh? Lizette, how long did it take you to plan? A month, all right? To plan your wedding. And for the guys, if we look, if we remember that day, we, we remember a couple of things. Who of you guys remember the butterflies in your stomach when you're standing in the front there and you're hoping that your bride is going to arrive? I was there. I was like freaking out, like, Lord, please just let a pitch. <laughs> and remember that moment when your wife came walking down the aisle and you saw her for the first time. Because remember, before you normally... Years ago, you wouldn't see your bride the day before. But in today's world, it's very different. But you normally didn't see your bride until that moment when she came down the aisle. And I think for Ivia, he's now looking deep into Tareen's eyes while I'm talking about this. How did you feel when Tareen came walking down the aisle? It's an incredible feeling because you look at that bride and you're like, she's the most beautiful person that I've ever seen. And there's an overwhelming feeling inside of you like knowing that this girl is mine. Her heart is mine. Now for the ladies, choosing your dress is one of the biggest, most important things about your wedding day. That dress has to be perfect. Your bridesmaids' dresses have to be perfect. And, and we know that there's a wedding coming soon, as far as I know. And, um, but getting that wedding dress 100% perfect, every little piece of sequence, every little piece of, of embroidery has to be done 100% perfect. And it's almost like if you could, you would have an unlimited budget. Right? Which lady would like an unlimited budget on a wedding dress? Right? Making sure that everything is perfect. The tables must be set. All the decorations have to be in the right place. Walking down the aisle for the first time with your dad by your side. Walking down and you see your new husband standing in the front there. Elenique, what did it feel like? It's an overwhelming feeling. Like, from tonight on, I'm no longer alone. I'm with the one that I love. 
And you have confidence knowing that the man that you are marrying is loving you unconditionally because you give your heart. Hey, you guys, all romantic now, hey? All the women are looking at their husbands like, when are we going for a romantic weekend or dinner or something? But I want to relate this to the God that we serve. And I want to read John 3, verse 16. So John 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So if we look at Jesus and the way that He looks at us as His bride, and I want all the guys sitting here tonight looking at Think about it in your head as if you're a bride. It could look scary. But imagine yourself being a bride before Jesus. And he's looking and standing at the end of the aisle, looking at you and saying, you are my bride. And I love you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I want us to turn to Revelation 1, verse 12 to 18. And tonight I want to tell you about your bridegroom. As we are the bride of Christ, I want to tell you about the bride looking at the groom. And what are we expecting to see when we look at our groom? In Revelation 1, it says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw the seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, and then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever." And ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So we read that scripture, and it explains something about what John says. That scripture tells us that John on the Lord's Day normally is a Sunday, right? Because it's the Lord's Day. And so what happens is John is suddenly in the spirit and he gets taken up into heaven and he hears this voice. Wives, can you recognize your husband's voice in a crowd? Eh? For us as kids, my dad used to whistle. There could be hundreds of people, and my dad would whistle, and I would know that's my dad. Because he was looking for us. Who whistles for the kids? Eh? Ah, there we go. <laughs> but Jesus comes in, and he speaks, and his voice John knows that this is someone special. And as he turns, he looks around, and he sees Jesus walking in between 
the seven golden lampstands. And who knows what they represent? The seven lampstands represent the seven churches. And the seven churches in Revelation speaks of these. And number one was the church of Ephesus. And what is that church known for? It's the church that has lost its first love. Sometimes we allow other loves in our hearts. So Evia and Tareen. Tareen is Evia's first love because he married her. But what happens is if his heart gets cold towards his wife, he's not going to want to spend time with her. He's not going to want to be in her presence. He's not going to be wanting to do fun things with her because his heart has shifted. And so the church of Ephesus has lost their first love. Then there's the church of Smyrna, which remains faithful even during persecution. That's the second church. The third church is Pergamum. It's the church that compromises its beliefs. How much do we know that the world today wants us to compromise what we believe? I know that the Church of England has now voted to allow gay priests and everyone in, and that the priests can now actually bless gay marriage. That's not what the Bible says. But the church has gone, and it's actually watered down and compromised what it believes. The fourth church is Thyatira, the church that follows false prophets. They've run away from what God is saying. They've been lied to by the enemy. Where he comes in and he deceives, and what they have, what's happened is they weren't on God. The fifth church is Sardis. It's a church that's spiritually dead. How many churches do we know around us that's spiritually dead? You come in, you stand up, you sing five songs or three songs, you listen to a message, when you're done you go home. And there is absolutely no movement of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be a church like that. Six is the Church of Philadelphia. It's a church that patiently endured. They patiently stuck through when things were difficult. And there's the last church, which is Laodicea, which is the church that had lukewarm faith. Out of seven churches, only two were actually doing what God called them to do. Five of them missed the mark. Which one do you want to be? Which one do we want to be? And Jesus is moving across churches today. And he's looking for a church where God will move, where we will allow him and give him space to come and actually walk among us, to be with us, to be here within us. And so the first thing that John sees is someone like the Son of Man. This term refers to Jesus being both fully God from the beginning of time, but yet he was also fully man. Which other religion in the world does the God that you serve know what you're going through? Knows your struggles? Not any other religion. Because Jesus doesn't want us to be a religion. He wants us to be a relationship. 
of actually understanding who He is when He comes in and He gives us life. He comes and walks with you in your actual challenges. So who's got challenges at the moment? Who's struggling with something in their life? We do. We all do. If you're not struggling right now, you're going to struggle tomorrow. If you don't struggle tomorrow, you're going to struggle next week. With kids in school, they struggle every day with schoolwork. So they've got a constant struggle. But Jesus is in there with you. And John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that had been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. And he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing and after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. I know it's a long scripture. But it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus was that Word. In the beginning, He was the Word of God. And He came flesh, and became flesh, and actually dwelt among us. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so Jesus comes and he walks around the churches like a man because he was a man. That's why he knows what you're going through. Because he went through the same things that we as people are going through. And he wears a robe down to his feet. And the robe represents his place in all eternity as the one and only high priest. He wears was, was a robe, and I've shared this many times before. In the Old Testament, the priests used to wear robes with bells on it. And every time they walked around in the Holy of Holies, they would make a noise. It would go ding, 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 as they're walking around. 
And what would happen is they would have a rope around their leg that would be there. So what would happen is if everything started getting a little bit quiet, the guys would pull on the rope, and if the priest pulled back and they heard the noise, they'd be like, okay, he's still alive. But if it got really quiet for a really long time and they never heard anything, they would stop pulling on the rope. And if the priest wasn't 100% perfect before the Lord, he would die in the presence of God and they would have to pull him out and they'd have to wait another year before they could go in again to ask for forgiveness. But Jesus wears that robe and it's white as wool. Pure robe. Because he is our high priest. John 4, 14 and 16. to 16. No one has ever seen God. Okay, I'm waiting for Colin. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was, without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Don't you guys think that's incredible? Because Jesus went for us, Evia, come here for me, please. So Evia, I love Evia. And the thing is, is I can go and I can say, Evia, I love you, and slap him. Or I can hurt him, and I can do things to him. But what happens is, I can do all this to him, and if God comes and he actually works in me, and comes and convicts me of my sin, I can actually go and repent now for the sins that I've committed against this man. Because Jesus is our high priest. I don't have to wait a whole year before I've got to find some animal and sacrifice it so that my sins towards this guy can be forgiven. Isn't that incredible? That is the king that we serve. This is Jesus. Thank you. Number two is he wears a golden sash around his chest. John 16.33 confirms that Jesus has overcome the world. He has defeated the enemy. The enemy tries to kill us, but we're actually immortal. Do you know that? Because the day that we die, we step into eternity to carry on living. So we actually don't die. Our physical bodies die, but our spirits and our souls continue living for all eternity. So the thing is, Jesus has actually taken the keys of death and Hades, and he's broken the power of the enemy over us. Because he's overcome the world. Revelations 1 verse 18, Jesus says that he holds the keys of death and Hades. Number three, his hair was white as wool, as white as snow. Philip's almost white as snow. Not there yet. Daniel 7 verse 9 and 10. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and his hair of his head was white like wool. 
His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Tens of thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. That's a picture of who God is, the Ancient of Days. And in Revelation, we, we read exactly the same thing about who Jesus is. So Jesus was there from the beginning. And it speaks about his wisdom, his experience, his authority, his purity, and his gloriousness. That's who we serve. That is who Jesus is. There's a scripture that says that gray hair is a crown of splendor. It's attained by a righteous life. Jesus is everything for us. Jesus knows everything and sees everything. Number four, his eyes were like blazing fire. Imagine looking into someone's eyes that's burning with fire, like blazing fire. Do you think you can hide from someone like that? Who's ever met people that when they pray for you and they, they look at you, it's almost like they see right through you? Who's seen people like this? I, I have a friend like this. Her name's Kathy. You'll know. Like that woman, if she looked at me, I got scared. And I'm still scared when she looks at me. Because it's almost like she can look right through you. She sees things that no one else can see. But Jesus sees everything in everyone. Every single dark secret, every single deep thing inside of your heart that you are trying to hide, Jesus sees. So what's the point of trying to hide it? Let it out. Let him deal with it so that you can be free. Nothing is hidden from his sight. As the all-seeing judge, he judges righteously without partiality. His judgments are pure and right. Number five, his feet are like burning or like bronze glowing in a furnace. And I did research about this, and I was wondering, why, why does Jesus' legs bronze? And I went and looked at it, and bronze represents God's willingness to take our sin on himself and to graciously deal with it himself. And we get this from the bronze snake in Numbers 21, where God said to Moses, the people were grumbling against God. And what happened was, they, God sent snakes amongst them. And they started getting gepuk. And they were bitten by these snakes and they would die. And then God said to Moses, make a bronze snake. And when people look at it, they will be set free. And we see in Exodus 27, the bronze altar that was actually used for the sacrifice to catch up the blood. Because it was that bronze altar took on the sin of the people. And that's why Jesus has got bronze legs, because he willingly took your and my sin on himself. 
Isn't that incredible? What a God. What an incredible God. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Tareen, can you come play for me? An encounter with God can often begin with the overwhelming sound of many waters. Deep calls out to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. At your waves and bellows, they have gone over me. Psalm 42 verse 7. The psalmist writes that deep cries out to deep. That God comes and He wants to come and He wants to break and have an encounter with each one of us. He wants to speak His voice over you like the sound of rushing water. Coming and bringing freedom. Coming and bringing release. Coming and setting us free. Because He is King. In Acts 2, verse 2, the early church were gathered together in one place. They came together and they were praying and they were waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. But I think it was at that moment when God and Jesus said, Now is the time. When the Holy Spirit came and it broke out on the the early church at that moment, God came and He blew their minds. And tonight Jesus wants to come and He wants to blow each one of us. He wants to blow our minds. He wants to come and He wants to pour out His Spirit like He's never, ever done before. Because He has spoken with his mighty hand, with his voice. And he's calling to the deep places inside of us. He wants to call out and he wants to get there where no one else can get to. In his right hand, he held the seven stars. And that represents the seven messengers to the churches. That represents that Jesus is the leader of his church. And that we are under shepherds. Leading God's people. And that we have to give an account. We have to give an account for what we teach you. We have to give an account for how we look after you. But Jesus is involved in the life of the church. Jesus is involved in each and every single person's life sitting here this evening. And out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. And in Hebrews 4, verse 12 to 13, the Word of God and the Spirit, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. The Word of God comes and it cuts. The Holy Spirit comes and it convicts. Because God wants to come and He wants to set His church free 
from the things that the enemy wants to hold us into captivity. Because he's a Jesus that comes and set us free. Many years ago, we used to sing that song, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. Jesus is not gentle. Jesus is a warrior. Jesus is a king that will come and wants to break into your circumstances, who wants to come tonight and he wants to break into your life and he wants to bring you into the knowledge and the understanding and actually the reverence of who he is. And his face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. Galatians 1 verse 26 the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works in me. And 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 to 9. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And at that moment, John goes and falls before the Lord. He falls down before the Lord. And it's not, I'm falling down before the Lord. Evia, come fall down for me before the Lord. As though dead. I fell down as though dead. Because of the awesomeness of who God is. Because in that moment, John couldn't stand in the presence of God. Because he looked at Jesus and he was overwhelmed by this King, by this God, by this hero of ancient, the ancient of days. And it says, he placed his hand on me. old song that my grandparents used to love and they sang it for many years and the song went something like this shackled by a heavy burden neath the load of guilt and shame then the hand of Jesus touched me and I'm no longer the same he touched me oh he touched me and oh the joy that floods my soul Something happened, and now I know He touched me, and He made me whole. 
And tonight Jesus wants to come and he wants to touch you. And the end of that scripture, Jesus says to John, I am the living one. I am holy. I am eternal. I am almighty. I am unchanging. I am love. And I am revealed to you and to me. There's one last scripture I want to read. And then we're going to worship. Revelations 4, verse 1 to 11. And tonight in my small way, I try to explain who Jesus is. The awesomeness of the King that we serve. And as I read the scripture and at the end of the scripture, I want you guys, while I read it, I want you all to stand and to come to the front. After this I looked, and there before me was a door, standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper, and Cornelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald, encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. And they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne, seven lamps were blazing, These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory 
and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being Lord you are good aren't you good Lord how thirsty are you tonight for the power of the Holy Spirit for Jesus to come and to be in our midst and I'm going to read that scripture in Revelations again and it says holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come because you are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being and Father tonight we come Lord and we ask you that you would come and that you would pour out your spirit Lord we come and we stand tonight and we are hungry for our King Lord, we are hungry that your presence and your spirit would come and be poured out upon us. And Father, we raise up our voices, Lord, and we sing, Aren't you? Isn't he worthy? Isn't he worthy of our praise? Isn't he worthy to be crowned the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And Lord Jesus, we ask you that you would come in might and power tonight. Come, Lord, and pour out your Spirit upon us. Lord, that we can be the church and the bride that you have called us to be. Lord, the bride without spot or blemish. The bride that will come and see our bridegroom. That will come with excitement and saying, Jesus, come pour out your Spirit. Come and be upon us, Lord, so that we can be your church. Lord, the church that would change our community. Not because we are wanting it, but because we want you. But I want to say to you guys tonight that Jesus loves you, each and every single one of you. And I want you this week to go and sit and think how big your Jesus is. Go look at his face. Go find him. Go find him so that he can bring breakthrough in your life.